On this episode of Resi Week, Regal Cinemas are closing down over 500 locations in the U.S., what that means for residential dealers. Also, CDS CEO Tabitha O'Connor is exiting as the organization's head, where the group goes from here. All that and more, next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 245, recorded Monday, October 12th, 2020, the death of the cinema. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment, and by Access Networks. This is Resi Week, your weekly look at the residential uh, AV market uh, and, and news and information. My name is Tim Albright. In for the holidaying, technically, uh, Matt Scott. Today is Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving to those Canadians uh, watching this. If you do, didn't realize, uh, Canada does celebrate Thanksgiving, their Thanksgiving in October. Uh, and then the, the big, uh, us big dumb Americans do it in, uh, in November. And then we go out on Black Friday. So uh, with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Heather Storowitz. Welcome, ma'am. Hello, great to be here with. I'm very thankful to be here with all of you. There we go. There we go. There. Let's let's get let's get into the spirit of, of our Canadian and, and uh, brothers and sisters. There. Uh, also with us is Jason Griffin, who is, uh, if you're not watching the video, is sporting a very festive uh, Canadian turkey. Welcome, sir. Yes, good to see you, Tim. I was a little bummed to know that Matt wouldn't be here, but he is here. Uh, in spirit. In spirit. Most people are bummed when they see that it's me and not Matt. So, um, and I'll point out the fact that when he hosted for me a couple of weeks ago, people were like, oh my gosh, you do so good that Tim shouldn't ever come back. So somehow I, I, have, I have no problem with that. You got to be careful with that. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I, I can go work at McDonald's. Uh, also with us is uh, Mr. Henry Clifford. Welcome, sir. What's going on, Tim? Thankful, oh, hold on. thankful to be here and uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. And last but not least, uh, my buddy, uh, Mr. Mitch Klein, who is also the recipient of the 2019 um, CEDIA uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, which he told me he's not old enough to have, but uh, still congratulations, sir. Well, thank you so much. Great to be back here. And with Heather and Henry and Jason, this is awesome. So yeah, happy uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, as, as they say in the movies, now it's a party. So, all right, let's, let's get this off. Uh, late on Friday, this came down the pipeline. Tabitha O'Connor, global president and CEO of Cedia, will depart the association at the end of her contract period in January. According to the release, uh, Ms. O'Connor has been with the organization for 18 years. She's been the head of, uh, of Cedia for the last three years. Um, Heather, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, this came as a little bit of a shock. Uh, there was uh, at least nothing rumbling, at least in, in, in the at least from my perspective, right? Obviously, and, and also in talk, talking to Matt, who actually does talk to, to, you know, he talks with more CDA folks than I do. There wasn't a whole lot of, of you know, hey, this is going to happen. A lot of times you'll hear this, you know, coming down the pipeline. Um, obviously, this is in an, a very difficult year for the organization. Tabitha did lead the the uh, the CDA Strong Initiative back in in, in April and May, uh, where they were encouraging the, the folks to to kind of um, you know band together. She led the initiative to get a CDA Strong scholarship to encourage uh, both the manufacturer as well as as, as fellow integrators 
to, uh, you know, donate to a, a scholarship to get, you know, more education out there for free to, to, to needy uh, folks. So what happens? What, where, where does the, the organization go from here? Uh, where does, you know, um, the, the industry, the, the residential side of the industry go from here? Um, those are big questions for sure. I, um, I'm a past board member. Henry is, I'm nine, I'm pretty sure Mitch, you've been on the board too as well, right? President. Oh yeah. Many yep. times. Yep, you're president. And Jason, have you ever sat on the board yet? Yet. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we all have a little bit of experience in how this goes. Um, when I was brought into the board was the same time that Tabitha was, um, brought in as CEO. Um, it's, interesting to see that you know she'll end out her term um it's no secret that uh, there's been a lot of changed players uh, over at the cdia headquarters over the last few years we've seen a lot of great people find other places to go um for different reasons so you know it, it it's a tough place i think for for as an ex-board member to say not too much but still kind of be out there because I try to say what is on my mind. Um, I didn't hear any meanderings either beforehand. And I can't say, no, I, I guess I was surprised. As, where does CD go from here? Um, hopefully onward and upward. I think that this is certainly a time to really think about who CD is and wants to be when CD used to be the expo. And then when they sold out the expo, I think there's some struggle for who we want to be and become um, and now is a great time to buckle down and figure that out. Well, and, and the one thing I will point out, the fact that, that Tabitha was brought in after the Cedia Expo was sold. Um, ben Bruno, a longtime friend, uh, formerly from Crestron, he was the CEO when it was sold. He also was removed and, and he, before his contract was up and Tabitha was brought in. So it wasn't like this was her idea. She, she inherited that, right? Uh, and so, you know, we can, we can argue about what, you know, what happened after that, but that was the situation that she was brought in on Henry. And what I'm going to do here, kids, is I'm going to focus on the, the board members and then we'll get the, the future board member on, uh, we'll speak that into existence, Jason, uh, Henry, we'll get you your two cents on this, both as somebody who's, who sat, you know, at the board, but also an industry expert here. What do you, what do you see the industry going, um, from, from this change? So just like Heather said, uh, when, when I stepped on, it was the day the, sh the show was sold. And so I had a chance to, to witness Vin as CEO and then Tabitha assuming, as, assuming the reins and, and becoming the, the CEO. And my experience firsthand is that CDA, CD employees work harder than any group of employees I've ever seen work in, in, in any other professional arena. Uh, I, I don't think the membership really fully understands just how hard these people work. Tavis's job, she is a, that's a hard job to be CEO of that organization. And I think she led the group through some really important, some really important milestones in, in the transition from this show-based entity into more of a education-based outfit, including, and this is really where I find hope in, in the future, is the strategic planning process, which 
started in 2017 and really is a multi-year process. And we're, we're only starting to see now some of the strategic planning elements start to make their way out into the public right now. So I'm not saying that whoever's next has a paint by numbers recipe to follow by any means, but at the same time, there's been significant groundwork laid for whoever takes the role to, to be able to step in and be fully supported by the board. And, and also I heard when, when I sat on the board, I heard a lot of, of uh, conversation just around the role of the CEO, what it meant. Did, did Cedia need a CEO? Did it need more of an executive director? Uh, so there, there, there was always this conversation around the role and should it, should the board be a governing board, a strategic board, should it be more involved? Uh, but at the same time too, like Tabitha is an amazing person and uh, man, she worked hard in that role, continues to work hard in that role. So I wish her all the best. Uh, I'm sure that, that they'll find a good, good candidate to, to, to take up the, the position, but my, my feedback just having witnessed a lot of this firsthand was that that, that is a tough, tough job. And uh, I, I think Tabitha should be commended for what she's done. And, uh, and, and I'm gonna pour positive energy into a good candidate uh, stepping into that role in the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. Mitch, we'll bring you on, on this as somebody who not only served on the board, but also as, as the head of the board, the president of the board. Um, Henry brought up something very important, that is the strategic plan. Strategic plan. The strategic plan still has a year-ish, right? They, they brought it out in 2018. Uh, looking at 2021-ish is, is about where they're heading with that. A lot of that had to do with education, um, rightfully so, because at that point, when they let, let, let it out, uh, the, the expo had already been sold, so they had you know some, some other ways, uh, other places that they could focus on. So you sitting where, where you're at, you know, where do you see, you know, both the industry, but also the organization heading? Well, some big topics you got right there. Um, first of all, to the Tabitha thing, it's a very, very difficult transition for somebody to move from a very administrative role into a top leadership position. So that was just really tough for her right out of the gate. Um, and I think I'll leave it at that. In terms of the strategic side of it and education is, you know, I ran education for quite a bit, uh, quite a while. And the challenge that an organization is going to have to moving into an education profile is that, well, there's a lot of good free education out there. There are um, buying groups that actually kind of provide education now, several which actually copy some of the things that CDA does. And then there's the CDA membership that doesn't like to feel that they're being nickel and dimed into buying the education that CDA used to offer either for free or low cost. So there are some real significant challenges for the group going forward. The good news is the quality of this stuff's really good. So that's never up, up in the air. And it's really gonna be up to a new leader to that, that's gonna have to be an outfacing CEO as opposed to internal. Um, when you talk about that type of leadership, you've got people to manage internally. You have volunteers on a board of directors to manage. You have a volunteer uh, society of people with different committees, and you have to be an outfacing uh, person. So it's a, it's a tough role, especially once you've spun off your primary uh, resource, which was the show. 
whether or not that was the right thing is moot at this point because you got what you got. And we'll see where it goes with education. Um, a lot of work ahead. Well, education, is, but also one of the uh, part of the initiative was, you know, standards as well as um, you know, making sure that that Cedia, the name, the, the brand name was out in the marketplace a little bit more. It's very similar to what Avixa has been trying to do uh, over the last three or four, three or four years under Mr. Labuskas, uh, which is reaching out to other organizations, other trades and getting the name out there as well. So. Yes. To, to jump in just on what Mitch said is I, I think that one of the things we have missed out on over the last few years is that excitement. What we do is super cool, right? We're not a bunch of accountants, no offense to accountants, who go to the shows, <laughs> sorry, um, who go to the shows and, and you know, who knows what you see at your expo, but what we see and do is really exciting. And I just feel over the last few years, we, we've lost that, especially in person. Now, that's really tough right now because there's not a lot of in-person happening, but it always killed me at the event, at the expo itself, that when we had the most people in one room at one time, we didn't get up and talk about how exciting it was. We got up and spoke words. You know, if anybody remembers Sony, and I know Sony, I love Sony, but uh, their keynote that they did a few years back, it was a dog and pony show where they just talked about all the different products they made. When Sony could have come in and talked about how Sony's in your DNA, and they started with, you know, your first record player and probably a you know, that pink boom box, well, I owned a pink boom box um, back then. And, and so I think that sometimes we, we, we miss, you know, we get into strategy so much that we forget about the coolness of it. So my hope is that that, that we, we pick that back up again. Heather, you, you nailed it. I mean, that's a really important thing is the excitement's not there. Yeah. I mean, we used to have an excitement, excitement at the board level. Say whatever you will about Vin. He certainly brought a lot of excitement he, to the one organization. One of his keynotes was one of the best ever. Yeah. Agreed, but I'm even talking about outside of the industry. Yeah, we need to generate some excitement. And I think that's why a new CEO needs to come in and be very outward facing. Yeah. All right. And just for the record, I did also own a pink boom box. I stole it from my sister. So, uh, all right, Mr. Griffin, you have the last word on this. Um, looking at it both from, you know, somebody, you, you've got a podcast that you cover this industry as well. You know, you've been on several different sides of it. Where do you see us going? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you know, I think Cedia needs to stay focused. I think the, probably the biggest risk for an organization, like a trade body, any trade body like Cedia, is that you try to please everyone and you can't please everyone. And so I think Cedia as an organization, I am a big fan of the direction that, that the organization has been going in and what Tabitha has been doing the organization in, in particular. I think the workforce development efforts are really interesting. You guys we're just talking about sort of the excitement factor. And I, I've been a little bit perplexed by this given we have this massive middle skills gap in, in America. This is not unique to our trade. Plumbers, electricians, tradesmen of all sorts are, are struggling with this. But when you put home technology up against some of those other trades, it really does have uh, an edge, I think, in terms of the cool factor. And I think Cedia and the industry as a whole really need to lean in to that. I think that solving the labor shortage problem is, in my, in my humble opinion, by far the, the number one biggest thing that the organization could be focused on. I think a close second to, uh, or a second place to that rather, would be the outreach in the design communities. I think that Cedia as an organization and as a standards body, you know, there, there's this work going on on setting standards, but Ultimately, that's important, but it's only important if we're really getting out there and 
and putting those to good use. And so I think we've got to do better as an industry. We've got to do better as a trade body at getting our name out there to the design and architecture communities and really establishing that CEDIA brand as a strong foothold in, in those communities. So, you know, nothing new here. I, I think CD is going in the right direction. I was personally very surprised to hear that Tabitha was stepping down uh, again, because I, I feel like what Henry alluded to, this has been a, a long time in the making. This was part of a three-year plan. And when I look at CD, I feel like things are, are starting to materialize and the best things in business usually take a long time. They're not the quick hits that really, that really make a difference. So I wish Tabitha the best. I don't know her personally, but I've heard nothing but great things. And my only hope is that the, that the, the organization stays focused. I think they're moving in the right direction now. And I would hate to see them lose focus and have, you know, the last couple of years of, of effort, not, not bear fruit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to end this with a, with a somewhat rhetorical question. You all can, can ignore it. You all can, can knock yourself out and, and debate this. Tabitha is or was, or, I, I'm not sure the, the proper fun, uh, functionality, punctuality here, or punctuality, for the word. I'm not sure quite what conjunction to make this term. Well, it is. Her, her, her con- would be, will, ha- will have been. There we go. Tabitha will have been uh, a female CEO in a tech industry. One of the few. Um, her contract ends in January. CDA obviously will replace her in some way, shape, or form. Does, do they need to prioritize having a female to replace her? Do they need to prioritize having a person, person of color pr- replace her in, this, in, in the era of making sure that we have equity and we have you know, representation across the board? I find it interesting and, and a little unfortunate that, that you know, um, she had, according, you know, according to, to everybody that I've talked to, was doing a, a, a relatively good job, you know, can, again, considering the fact that when she walked into the job, they had just sold their, their show. Um, and now we're faced with, you know, removing um, a, a, the head of an organization that, that is also female rep- representation. I'd like to hear from a woman CEO is sitting right here. See, um, Henry, I was not going to pick on her. I was just going to lay it out there. So here's the way I look at it. I think that it's, it's a double-edged sword. One is, I don't want to win in a sandbox with other women. I want to win against a sandbox with everybody. So the way I look at it is, you know, so there's a double-edged sword between between not wanting special treatment, but then the other side of that is there is still some old boys clubs that exist out there. So there are some rules that have been created to help women or people of color break into that. And so it's unfortunate that that is needed. Um, When people say like, oh, how can we get more women in in technology? You can hire them. I mean, it's a really easy answer. You, maybe they, you know, they didn't know the technology was an answer or a career move, but you can certainly talk to someone that you could be a waitress. It could be someone that, you know, it could be out in your outer circle who you just know has that right pizzazz. And you can say to them, Hey, have you ever thought of a career over here? come, you know, come play. And I've done that more than once and it's been quite successful. I think you make a difference by actually by making a difference. So do I think that it has to be replaced with another female? No, but do I think that any female should be considered as much as any male or person of color? Absolutely. Um, I think that you need on both a board, which is why I was on the board. No woman had been on the board since the 19, 
90s at that point. Um, I put my money where my mouth was of, I could complain about it or it could be a change, do, be part of the change. And when I left, more were on there, which is great because we look at things differently. We just have different perspectives. So any board that doesn't have diversity is failing because you don't have that difference of opinion. Um, you don't look at things, you look at things differently and then create a better ecosystem overall. All right. Yeah, I'd like to point out, point out that um, Cedia's primary successes over the years was due to a female leader, uh, Billy Lynn Keller, who was the executive director, really took us where we were going and controlled the board. Um, I should say kept the board focused, not controlled. Okay. So we already have that. We've got women on the board now. I agree with Heather. We hire the right person. Hopefully there are some women who will step up or not. But uh, I also work for a company called Silicon Labs and there's a lot of female leadership going on in, in the tech industry. So there's more than you might think. And then again, there's not enough. So yeah, let's just see where the chips lie. Okay, all right, very good. Uh, last story here is, is, is the time we have. Uh, Regal Cinemas has announced that they are shutting down all 500 plus um, uh, theaters in the U.S. Um, by last Thursday. Um, they are going to monitor the situation and possibly reopen them if, if the economic con uh, conditions change. According to CEO of the parent company, Cineworld, they said that they um, did everything in their power to quote unquote reopen the cinemas over the summer after being forced to shut down. Those measures included robust health and safety initiatives and joining the cinema industry's cinema safe protocols. Um, Henry, we'll start with you on this. Uh, they, these uh, Regal here in the States has over 7,000, actually 7,300 screens, 500 and some odd um, locations. In 2018, they had a revenue of $3 billion. Where does this take the, the Cedia integrator today? Uh, obviously, a number of folks are all, not only taking their vacation money because they're not going on vacation and, and pouring that and reinvesting that into home theaters and uh, home systems. But when we look at, at, at the Regal kind of closed down, at least temporary closed down for right now, does that give a, a CDM member, an integrator, the opportunity to say, look, you know what? You can't go to movies. You can obviously bring them in your home with movies like, you know, the entire Disney catalog with Mulan and uh, Soul and a number of others and other um, movie uh, uh, houses that have said, you know, we're going to stream. So does this give them a chance to say, you know what, Let's, uh, let us enhance your at-home brand new movie experience? I, I wonder, so first of all, karmically, I I feel for anybody associated with that that industry. I mean, when people ask how we're doing, I always sort of sheepishly say we're doing okay. I mean, in reality, we're doing better than we've ever done. We're better than we've ever been. Uh, crazy. Uh, I'm not sure I draw a, a a causative line between the closure of theaters and a lift in in luxury spend. I definitely draw a line between I didn't go to St. Bart's and I'm going to feather my nest. Uh, so those micro spends in the theater, uh, I'd say, eh, you know, that that cash that op, that cash went somewhere else, forty or fifty bucks at a pop. Uh, I, I'm I'm wondering though, as our higher net worth customers think about their entertainment options, are are they going big? They, we we see them going big in the backyard right now. We see them going big in the family room. We see them just staring at the walls and just itchy to sort of improve things that they don't necessarily 
need to, but there's there's this uh, oppor- you know cost of opportunity cash that's sitting over there. I, I would say the, the biggest impact is probably just going to be the psychological notion that they can't do something. And I think for our customer base, they don't like thinking that they can't do something or being told no. And so as a result, there might be sort of a, oh yeah, factor where there's kind of a, a resurgence of, of home theater, just based on the fact that uh, the, the psych, just, just the overall notion that they, they don't want to think that they can't do something. And so they'll, but I don't see a clear link between, uh, you know, folk, movie movie theater goers all of a sudden discovering home theater just because they can't go to the movie theater. Yeah. yeah. What percent of the movie theater goers do you think are really going to be prototype uh, customers for CDA members? Yeah. I mean, so I'm kind of. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, I mentioned talking about that for a second because the story we're using is from CE Pro. Uh, Jason, you know, not uh, wrote wrote that one, and I I would look at it and go, oh, maybe he's onto something because I was like, you know, that that kind of makes sense to me. So if that's not the 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 use case, is it more the mid market, right? Which is a a subject that we've talked about, you know, several times over the last couple of years. The the disappearance or or the reduction of the mid market um, is this something where you know somebody who is you know, looking to enhance maybe not a theater room, right, but enhance their at-home experience? Fair question. I mean, the people who are going to movie theaters now just simply uh, subscribing to the new Disney streaming service or you know, are streaming services really doing the pickup? Again, I'm kind of with you, Henry. I don't know that there's a direct line between the movie theaters closing. I think there are a lot of other variables uh, that are really driving it. And I'm not so sure it's the theaters been it really is too bad how hard how it's hurting them. Absolutely. Jason, when it comes to, you know, making sure that, that your folks have what they need, whether, you know, we can discuss whether or not there, there's a line here, um, but certainly they are streaming, you know, which is the way that they get our obviously going to some sort of, of uh, either purchasing the DVDs or bringing them home um, some, through some sort of rental system. How are we making sure that they're having the best quality experience when they get there, regardless of whether it's a luxury or it's mid-market here? Yeah, I I agree with the general sentiment so far that there may not be a a straight line between this and and luxury theater, certainly. But I do think that these are all complex systems, right? And I I do think these two are somehow related. And and, and specifically what I mean is I, I just wonder if the movie theater as we know it is is dead. I, I think that the long-term prospects for theaters, and, and we've seen this trend for a long time, the more uh, boutique theaters where you can get a drink and a nice dinner and it's much smaller, comfortable chairs. Like I, I see a future for those. I think the, the theaters where you've got you know, bigger audiences packed in, I, I'm very curious to see if they're gonna come through this and, and be able to bounce back. And I think longer term, it's not just about COVID. There are so many entertainment options. I mean, you look at what's going on in gaming right now with the younger generations and, and Fortnite and these sorts of immersive realities. And, and just like, is the idea of going to a theater in five, 10, 20 years gonna be the same as it is today? I doubt it. And so I think the longer term trend is more about the home and it is about 
maybe not the luxury theater, but it's all of the technology that enables the things that people want to do in their homes. They want to be comfortable. They want to be secure. They want to be entertained. And as we look at the trends, the, the sort of meta trends in technology right now, staying at home appears to be a, a trend that's not going anywhere. And so I think, again, I agree with Henry completely. I wouldn't draw a straight line to luxury theater, but I would draw a straight line to just the need for technology in the home is only going up. And Henry alluded to this as well. Like, I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate to be in this industry. I have a twin brother who's an airline pilot. And so you talk about just the night and day difference of, of different industries, and we're all very fortunate uh, for that. And so again, to, to put a bow on all of that, I, I think that this is part of a bigger trend where technology in the home is becoming more important, and that will continue to benefit our industry. I think what you're suggesting, there could be something beyond beyond the home. Like I actually think it could be a because I think that we still are told we are we're craving that connection beyond, and it might be beyond the home. So I still want a place to celebrate a kid's birthday, but maybe it's not a hundred people. Maybe it's twenty five. You know, maybe it's these what you said boutique theaters that you could rent out with friends to play video games or watch the game or you know, watch whatever, and you'd have the streaming services available. You know, I, I, th I've seen this in the past, but I can see more now than ever before. Yeah, it's a great It's concept. a rinse and repeat you do across the country. Yeah. Have a clean company come in between one, you know, between one group and another, because we're all allowed, even in New York, you know, allowed to have our tribes. We're just not that allowed to have too many. And nobody wants to go to a movie theater and wear a mask for two and a half hours. So if I'm in with my tribe and I can rent that out, there could be something there. All right. That'll be a good place to stop it. Thank you all so much. Um, Mr. Jason Griffin, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, hometech.fm is our weekly home technology podcast you alluded to. And uh, I work over at One Vision Resources. We help integrators with their uh, service and support uh, challenges. And so if anyone's interested in that, you can check out onevisionresources.com. All right, very good. And you also listen to him, uh, Jason and uh, and uh, Joey, both from One Vision uh, on our our, uh, our um, uh, AV profession podcast, looking at the business of AV. And both of them did a fantastic job. So I actually need to get them back on. So, uh, Mr. Klein, thank you, sir. Uh, my pleasure. Glad to be back again. And I would agree that Jason and Joey do a great job. So again, <laughs> glad to have you here. Uh, just reach out to me, Mitch at ZWaveAlliance.org. All right, that'll work. Uh, Mr. Clifford, thank you, sir. It's kind of odd if you don't know Mitch and, and Henry. It's like going from, yeah, because yeah, Mitch is about my height and Henry's like 20 feet tall. So uh, well, go ahead, Mr. That, Clifford. It, yeah, it's just the shoes. It's all about the <laughs> shoes. So, no, um, great to be with you. Thanks again. I'm a, I'm, I'm, we're on the interwebs at, at Get Livewire um, and uh, also at Get Parasol. Uh, and my email is henry at getlivewire.com and uh, love talking with you guys. And thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. And last but not least, Heather Sidorowicz. Thank you, ma'am. Um, I think I'm most fun probably on Twitter, which is uh, tech, T-E-C-H underscore chi, C-H-I as in a balance between life and technology. Um, or the other social networks company is Southtown, A as in Apple, V as in Victor.com. Very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, although at this point, it's nothing but the Bears because they are four and one. 
uh, and they beat Mr. Brady last week. So that's all I care about. I didn't say Patriots, Mitch. I just said Brady. It's, hey, it's fair. Uh, you know, when I was cheering, I was cheering for Chicago too. So. Well, that, that I appreciate that. Uh, but go by the website if you would please avnation.tv that's avnation.tv you'll find programs like this and a host of others including the one that i technically host which is called av week uh looks at the commercial uh, av side uh, so all that and more at avnation.tv that's avnation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that is all the time we have for resi week